Frank Network. Content on this production is for entertainment and informational purposes only. It is not medical advice, nor is it intended to substitute medical treatment or diagnosis. Seek medical help if you believe that you are suffering from a mental illness or are a threat to yourself or others. By using any or all of the information provided, you do so at your own risk. Any application of the material is at the listener's discretion and is his or her sole responsibility. Everybody, Doc Brian here, and welcome to Doc Talks DX on Patreon. We're thankful that you have joined us here today. Um, hopefully, you have been listening to Doc Talks on all of the streaming platforms and have listened to the interview that we had with Robin Fouts and the remarkable story of her son, Elisha. And uh, she is back here with us today on Doc Talks DX. So, Robin, once again, we thank you for being here with us. Thank you for having me. Well, it has been a heart-wrenching story. I don't think I've ever cried on a podcast before, uh, but there's a first time for everything. So uh, if you've listened to that first part, you know that that her son, Elisha, was he seven years old, did you say, when this took place? Oh, he had just turned 12. Just Okay, so just turned 12 uh, when he was struck by a vehicle, uh, had a traumatic brain injury uh, with several strokes, and uh, they were unsure for a while what the outcome was going to be. In in talking about this, there, uh, of course, you know, uh, within a diagnosis of this kind of trauma, one of the most um, common, I guess, aspects that we would assign to it would be a post-traumatic stress disorder. You know, sometimes uh, post-traumatic stress is just that post-traumatic stress that it doesn't, isn't necessarily a disorder uh, because it's not reoccurring. Have you suffered from any type of post-traumatic stress within this? Um, I would say there may be a couple times. It, it's just uh, situational. Mm-hmm. I guess if if I'm really down, it's been like a hard, really hard day. Work's been challenging. The kids have been challenging, you know, and then I look at couldn't this be easier? Mm-hmm. And I've had breakdowns from that. I would say, I know that my son has, my oldest son who was with Elisha, he has been diagnosed with PTSD, okay. post-traumatic stress disorder, because he saw yeah, right. the accident. Right. Mm-hmm. But for me, I would say mine is, I, I probably have had it happen a handful of times of a complete breakdown mm-hmm. over the years where I felt the stress of all of it, the trauma. I mean, just felt it all in one moment. It, it hit hard. Yeah. And, and as a, as a counselor, I would say, I would be worried if that didn't happen, you know, every now and again, that uh, we get just kind of caught up in it. And like you said, a situational type. Now with your, with your oldest son, what kind of things does he deal with uh, that, brings forth or, or triggers that PTSD? Well, I'll say this, what happened, um, he went to counseling right after and he just did not engage at all. He was 12, he was 13, just this this weird age for him. And he's always been more, he's emotional and sensitive and, uh, but he can push it down Mm -hmm. and he did that for a few years. And what happened was 
he started acting out, you know, looking for outs and through his teenage years and through high school. He's 21 right now. He went into the army, which I would have never, I told him not to, because I told him, I said, please go through counseling first, intensive counseling before you join the military. But he went ahead and did it. And so he must not he, have an official diagnosis of PTSD then. At that time, he did not. Gotcha. At that moment, he did not. So went into military and this is the good that came out of it. There was a somebody who had committed suicide and it just triggered mm-hmm. all of this depression and the PTSD and all of that. And he got uh, started getting actual psychiatric help. He was given medication. He was given a diagnosis and he was given a honorable medical discharge. Uh, This was about almost two years in. Mm -hmm. And so he was honorably discharged due to medical reasons. And uh, he is in a healthier place than he's ever been now. He's 21. The, like I said, the good that came out of him joining the military, even though, I mean, he would have been a great soldier, but he had never dealt really with the trauma of that day and the pain mm. of that day. And so he's definitely in a better place now. And he gets counseling every so often. I would say for me, I'm super mindful of my mental and emotional health. I really am. I have a counselor that I meet with often. Uh, when I feel like, oh, what's going on? I'm, I, why am I not able to process these feelings? Or I think counseling is so good for people. So good. Helps give clear perspective. And, and I need that because I can easily get into my emotions. Mm-hmm. Easily. I'm designed that way. I, you know, I am. You know, we're pretty mindful of it. I feel like obviously we could be better at it, but I feel like we're in a good spot of recognizing that my husband too, very, he's able to kind of recognize it even in me. Right. And, and, you know, one thing I would, I would share uh, here, as you said, he started having behavioral issues. We need to be mindful, even with adults, uh, particularly in adolescence, but w- that behaviors are words. And that kids act a certain way because they don't know how to express what they're trying to say. Mm-hmm. And so as parents, as adults, as, as, as leaders, we need to try to listen to what they're doing to understand what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and when we get to that point, then, you know, you can get to the root of a problem fairly quickly. Everybody knows that knows me. I, I see a counselor at two o'clock every Thursday. I mean, it's just everybody knows that's where Brian's going to be at two o'clock on Thursday. And uh, for me, it's just knowing that I have a safe place to say whatever I want to say. Mm-hmm. And, and e- even more so because you say, well, you're married. You can talk to your spouse about that. Well, you forget I'm a preacher. And if the preacher's wife knows something, it's because the preacher told her, and then the preacher's in trouble for telling. Uh, and then there are just some things I don't tell her to protect her, mm-hmm. you know, from from certain things. And 
Uh, and it's good to know that on Thursday at two o'clock, I can tell somebody how I feel that's not going to judge me, who's not going to run back to the church and say, you'll not believe what he said, uh, to just have that safe place to be you and for you to be very raw and and tell whatever it is. The, the problem comes into play is where, especially in the faith, is that we have way too many people saying, you just need to trust God. You just need to have faith instead of, yes, I think you should talk to somebody. Yes, I think you should do this. Uh, you know, if we look at the example that Jesus made, he had three of his closest friends all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and he was God. When he, you know, went to the garden, he had them there. And of course, he got a little perturbed that they kept falling asleep, but uh, I'm sure it'd been a long day for them. But we need that that structure and that support, and uh, I, I'm thankful that that you were were not one of those people, and I shouldn't say it that way, but you weren't in that group that just said, "Okay, by me doing that, it's just showing God a lack of faith." Mm-hmm. I think we're it's we're getting better as a culture, a society, to recognize that it is really okay to say, "I'm not." handling this well. Mm -hmm. And I need some help. And, you know, I think I'm really grateful for the counselors and the pastors and the friends that I have it because it's so easy and I can see it in myself where I, I start to isolate. And that is like that red flag to, to say, maybe something's going on here. If I'm, I'm pulling away from my meeting up with my counselors, hanging out with my friends, having community and accountability, that's my go-to though, is to isolate, is to pull away. And so for me, that's a, that's a red flag. And typically my husband will say, you just need to go, go out, go find, go hang out with somebody go hang out with some friends. It's like, I told him the other day, I was like, I've set up a counseling appointment. My counseling appointment's May 6th. I'm ready, you know, and and she's not just a one hour counselor. She's like, we get three hours together. Mm. You know, she's, that's, that's me and her. So um, I was like, yeah, I need that. I need that right now. Sure. Yeah. Cause you know, not, not all of us can step back and make our world very small and just love our kids and go out and look at nature and, do all that kind of stuff to wrangle ourselves back in. You know, sometimes we just need to say it. And, you know, there is, we could be spiritual and say there's power in words, but there really is power in just saying how you feel and, and communicating that to another person. You know, if you're depressed about something and you come to me and you say, I'm depressed, I'm going to ask you why, why are you depressed? Once you communicate that, sometimes it's not near as bad as what you feel it is. Mm -hmm. And a lot of healing comes just in being able to say, this is how I feel. Yeah. So the oldest son was, was diagnosed then with PTSD Mm -hmm. and, and he's getting treatment. What about your husband? Is he having to see a counselor or, I mean, he was there kind of, I hate to say in the trenches when it first happened, but. I think he, he hasn't really set up counseling appointments, but he has got really good friends. We are really close with the leadership of our church, um, not just our pastor 
and his wife, but the executive pastor. And we have, and, the, and my husband's on the worship team. So he's, you know, really close with some of the worship leaders there. So I would say he surrounds himself with people. He has a really good, solid community of men that he can be real and, and raw with. But he is so, he's just steady. He's super steady. His faith is, I would say, I feel like he has a lot bigger faith than I do. Not that I'm trying to compare or whatever, but he's just, this is it. We dig in, we move forward. I mean, I think where we see the results of the trauma and the, it, it, it kind of comes out sometimes in our marriage, mm-hmm. right? And so that's where, and so we're mindful of that and scheduling time for counseling for just us. He hasn't, and he'll get, you know, he hasn't done really a lot of one-on-one outside of the guys he's had. Typically it's like in our marriage or marriage counseling. Right. And you know, one of, one of the biggest, well, two of the biggest things I think when dealing with any type of trauma or any mental health is community and structure. Uh, And just knowing that you have somebody you can go to and say, this is what's going on and they will listen. And, you know, you had mentioned when you were driving to the hospital that it was almost like you had to be in control of something. And that that is a major coping mechanism. But we can do that same thing healthy in structure that we are controlling what we're doing and and be mindful of that. And, you know, it, it's when we feel like we've lost control that everything starts to tailspin sometimes. So with Elisha, of course, he he survived. He had to have multiple surgeries, from what I understand. And this happened when he was 12. So how old is he now? He will be 21 in July. 21 in July. Now, um, he he does not communicate uh, with language. That's right. It is um, a cognitive uh, aphasia of where... Uh, he can communicate, but not with language. Um, now, I have I have seen some of your videos where it maybe not he's trying to talk or trying to communicate with with a with a moan or a grunt and mm-hmm. and you know for for he to have been through all that he's been through, uh, I've not seen a video yet of where he wasn't smiling, mm-hmm. and his smile is just insanely uh, contagious and invigorating, and so. It really does show that he has a positive outlook on things as well, because he's not sitting there not knowing what's going on. I mean, right. he uh, he's not uh, in, in the sense of, of brain functionality. He knows where he's at. He knows that he's safe. Uh, you know, he he knows all of these things that he might need. And, and I'm sure he's learned his own way to communicate to you what his needs are. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I can ask you just a very raw question. Yeah. When when we adopted my son, he had uh, a major trauma. He had two subdermal hematomas from uh, his father shaking him upside down in a car seat. Uh, he had a, a broken, a tib-fib fracture, and he had his heart issue. And when we were considering adoption, I don't know how many people told us, um, you don't need to adopt him because y'all will eventually have to quit your job to take care of him. 
Has anybody ever directly or indirectly said that you should have Elisha in a place where he could have 24-hour medical care? Yes. I think a lot of people want to give their opinions, Mm. right, about what's best in circumstances like ours. Mm -hmm. My husband did quit his job and stay home with Elisha for several years. And then in the last few years is when he decided, hey, Elisha's in a really good spot. And what what I mean by that is he, yes, he needs a lot. We have to do everything for him, change him, feed him. And he's got a Mickey button. So food goes through his Mickey button. But as far as the, the only type of medical equipment that somebody would need to use with Elisha during the day when we're not there, if we're not there, let's say if we're not there, would be turning on and off his feeding machine. Uh, he doesn't take any medications. He's on no medications. That That's amazing in itself. Yes. When he came home from that hospital, he was on 18 medications that we had to wean him off of. One of them being methadone because he, they were pulling him out of, he was so under with the coma. Right. 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 And so that was several weeks of gradual he had to be really gradual wanting with to make sure he didn't go into dt's from that's right from everything. that's right mm-hmm. and uh to be honest with you once he started coming off the medications is when we started seeing him wake up more mm-hmm. i mean that's when we started seeing him start smiling and responding and understand like he he understood but yeah i think there are people who want to tell you what's best your family, your child. And I appreciate people's hearts in that. I really do. There's so much grace. You know, I think people are doing it because they love him. Mm-hmm. They feel like they know him, right? Because we right, create, right. create these videos and we're on social media, you know, but truthfully, we know him. Truthfully, we're in his life more than they ever will be we're actually seeing more and more healing in his heart and his life because when we do the therapy or when we work with him, there is so much love in that. And he is more responsive to us with that. So the answer to your question is yes. <laughs> yeah. People uh, say everybody loves to give their opinion. And and one thing, and you can carry this and, and, and if it works, you can say it was your idea, but, uh, I I try to remind everybody that when it comes to your life, everybody has an opinion, but only you have a vote. That's right. Yeah. And and at the end of the day, you got to vote what your heart tells you to do. Um, so TBI, traumatic brain injury, which is actually a, a craniocerebral uh, trauma yeah. uh, of where your brain is uh, even more so than what we would see as a concussion where your brain is literally shook to where there is a actual trauma that takes place. And, uh, you know, as, as you had mentioned that they had to take off one of his skull plates to relieve pressure. He had, he had several strokes, which is not uncommon with someone who's had a TBI, particularly because, you know, your blood is going into this. We've got to clot all this off and, 
and they don't want to give you any type of blood thinners because you're already bleeding. And, you know, it's just kind of all of these things come together and, and it happens. Let me ask you this question. Had he not had the strokes, do they believe that he would have had a more, I don't want to use the word normal, but would he have had more function uh, than he has? You know, I don't know. I we they never we never really went that far in our conversations, but I would say yes, he probably would have. And I, you know, because you know the effects of strokes. I mean, his he's got a lot of tone issues. You can see a lot of people ask, we call it his little chicken wing, where his left arm is always up, mm-hmm. you know. And we work on that. We work on his tone. The thing is, is that and you probably you are in this field. So you understand that the brain can heal itself. And there's more and more research coming out. We actually went to a neurochiropractor two summers, three summers ago before co- the summer before COVID. And uh, upper cervical correction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but then there were uh, strategies for therapy that are newer. Right. And the thing is, is like, insurance in the insurance world, they're still looking at these old therapies Mm -hmm. and they're not allowing you to work with these new therapies. And yet it's, so it's cost so much money. And we went all the way to Louisiana to find somebody who uh, does the therapy that we were looking at. And they gave us so many strategies in understanding where Elisha is intellectually even it was remarkable. We have, we sometimes put this little laser on his head and have his head uh, point the laser. What is two plus two? And, Mm -hmm. you know, point to the pink one point. And I mean, he was getting it, you know, but it was also not only for his brain, but to strengthen his neck and, you know, getting him to use his muscles differently. Right. And, uh, but the, again, the sad part is, is that insurance is, is still, saying these are the guidelines you have to meet. These are the benchmarks and they're based on old research and not the newer research. But yeah, we're seeing a lot of improvement in Elisha mm-hmm. because of these new this new research that's right. out there with the brain. So this re teaching the brain, either you can um those neural pathways can reconnect or create new ones. Right. And so we're we're just working with them. It's slow and the brain is it probably, it feels like it's the slowest organ to heal. It is. It really, it, and I was, I think I was, it was um, Pat Boone. I want to say it might've been Pat Boone's grandson who fell like 30 feet, but it was 12 years later, he started walking again, 12 years. And he had traumatic brain injury. Right. And just see how long it took. And yet he started to walk again. I mean, I'm not saying it, it happens that way because, you know, there's a spectrum with brain injury. You know, sometimes people have, you know, a stroke and they can bounce right back. And some people might have be like Elisha in a coma and they just pop right back up and they're they're good. You know, I don't understand that. I, I don't I don't know it for the ones that have a slower healing process. It hurts my heart to know that insurance gives up so quick. Right. And, and, you know, I'm glad to hear that that y'all haven't given up, you know, because it would be easy uh, to let depression and anxiety and all of that seep in and just, you know, give up. 
Now, for someone who suffers a traumatic brain injury that is not as traumatic as as Elisha had, there can be some mental health implications that are caused due to a traumatic brain injury. And, you know, those go into anxiety, depression, and some some disorders. But anytime that you're working around the brain, you've got to realize, you know, there's a lot that could go wrong. Uh, you know, you only use your frontal cortex to make any emotions or decisions. Everything else is, is you know, mechanics. Uh, does he ever... Do you ever talk about times prior to the accident that he can recall or that somehow you know that he remembers those things that happened? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, my dad was such a big part of my kids' lives before that, uh, before, right before the accident. And probably, well, because he was so supportive of me during the time when I was divorced. And so he was such a great father figure to my kids. So uh, right after the accident, when he came home, I came to the house, Elisha just lit up or sometimes I'll uh, ask him, do you remember, you know, you remember John Mark and John Mark was with him the day of the accident. He doesn't see John Mark anymore at all. And he, you can see the recognition and understanding in him. So, you know, or if I talk about, remember when we went to uh, the beach with grandma? I mean, he he does have some memories. I, I do have to believe that he doesn't remember the accident. You know, I, I, I don't see how he could mm-hmm. with all that happened that day. I mean, it was. Right. And I would think I would think his brain would suppress that memory anyway. Yeah. And, and how and then after that, he was so drugged up for so long on so many medications, I can't imagine that he remembers maybe even several months because he was on so many medications. He was in the hospital for for 30 days in a coma. Then he was in, you know, where they were down in the rehab facility in Charlotte, uh, pediatric rehab for three more months where they were trying to figure out how to get those medications working. They almost OD'd him. He went completely under because the medications were, they gave him more than double what they were supposed to because the prescription was read wrong. So he's supposed to get 0.05 and they gave him 0.5 and it knocked him out. Yeah. So there's just this like adjustment of, and, and then we, you know, went home and there was no, you know, he was so tired. He was grumpy, like just sad and grumpy because he couldn't do anything. He wasn't really aware or awake. He just seemed tired all the time. So that was a real, real challenging time. Those several months. So I know he can't, I don't feel like he would remember any of that. Right. Yeah. I, I wouldn't think that he would, but once again, if he did, his brain would uh, suppress that to where it wouldn't come forward. Is there ever times where he just, you will find him and he's just crying? Just I'll tell you when he cries is sweet movies, Mm. anything sweet or sad. If the, like we were watching a movie the other day and the kid was calling for his mom and uh, he just got teary eyed. He's just so sweet and worship. Mm -hmm. Worship will make him almost sob. Mm. It's just, it's such a sweet moment. I have videos of that, you know, where he will, 
he'll just get so teary-eyed. It's so touching to watch, you know. The other times, I mean, on the negative side, the only time that he'll cry it uh, is if he's in pain. I've never he's never cried just to cry because he's depressed. He will cry if his stomach is hurting. He wants to get off of his. It's like a like an angry cry. If he wants to get off his tilt table, mm-hmm. he'll get really angry. <laughs> get him really angry. Like he'll start yelling at us, like get me down from here. <laughs> and we just have to, that's when we typically shoot a lot of our videos is mm-hmm. when he's in his tilt table to distract him so that he can, you know, endure a little bit longer, endure a little bit longer, right. you know? Uh, so, but but it, it did seem from, from the story that you told, he was very soft hearted before yes. the accident. And, and, you know, sometimes a, a TBI, depending on where it took place, can enhance those emotions and and make you feel certain ways of course i know as i've gotten older i've become more emotional <laughs> you know it just it just happens that way uh yeah. <laughs> and so uh you know i couldn't imagine i just could not imagine having gone through what you and your family have gone through and and still being there and and dealing with it on a daily basis um but you know i, I tell people I have a friend who uh, has Down syndrome, and and I have heard people tell her parents, I just don't know how you deal with having to have a 30-year-old Down syndrome person with you all the time. And to them, it's second nature. I mean, there's that's all they've ever known, but there are things that happen like this that do alter your family life for the rest of however long. But I say, and I I firmly believe this, is that the people who go through these things are the people who are made to be able to deal with these things. And that uh, whether it be that through their faith, they are able to do that, or whether it be through, you know, support systems, however it may be, that they they have been prepared some way to care for that issue or that problem or that individual. And so sometimes we can easily look at ourselves and say, God, why did you do this? When the real answer is, God, why did you trust me enough to allow this to happen to me? I'll say this. I don't think I'm any more special, Mm. right, than anybody else. You know, um, it hurts. It hurts my heart when I think of people who are facing struggles and they come to me and they're afraid to tell me because they're like, Oh, it's not as bad as yours. I know it's not. And you know how I hear that a lot. Yeah. And so it's, I don't, I don't want people, what they feel, what they face is just as real. It's different. Mm -hmm. Sure. It's different, but it is just as real to them as my circumstances to me. And I don't want to minimize that. And it doesn't make me more special because we might have had more trauma. Mm-hmm. I feel like gives me a, I want people to feel safe to come to me with their pain and their struggle. And that's really kind of what happens. They feel safe to say, how do you do it? Mm-hmm. Because I can't even do this, this, and this. And I can say, listen, I'm not any more special than you. But here's what I understand. 
here's what I've learned. And maybe, maybe what I'm sharing with you will equip you in some way or inspire you or change you or challenge you in some way. And um, to help you do this because you can do it, you know? And I think for those of us who believe in and follow Jesus, we can do this in the power of the Holy Spirit, trusting that God's grace will sustain us and hold us up through it. And so if we can somehow, and this is going back to what you said, if we, you know, how God takes the, the bad and turns it for good, you know, this is how he does it because we are able to overcome with our testimony, like our testimony telling somebody, this is how I got through it helps somebody to overcome their circumstance. Absolutely. I don't want people to ever compare. And this is something that I really want to encourage people on your podcast. Don't ever compare your circumstance to somebody else's because your feelings are your feelings and your struggle is your struggle. And it's your, and it's real to you. It, because sometimes that holds us back from getting any help. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not as bad as somebody else. No. If you are feeling that you are struggling with that, you need to talk to somebody to help you navigate it and walk through it. Absolutely. And and what I tell people that come to me and say, well, this is nothing compared to what you've gone through. I say, I don't know what I've done to fool you to make you think that I've got it all together and that I'm you know, doing this even the way I think it should be done or the right way. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we don't have it all together. You know, we just, That's so true. we have to go back to our faith and, and just be comforted and knowing that we're doing the best that we can do. Yeah. And I wish people would come live in my house. <laughs> they can see the real us and yeah. see, we might laugh a lot. Sure. We might have a lot of joy at times, but I'm telling you, you know, I'm sure my husband can share some instances <laughs> where I wasn't really walking very spirit filled. <laughs> I, I think we've all had had those kind of instances. Yeah. yeah. So if there was one thing that you could share uh, with our listeners who may be going through anything, what would your one message to them be? You know, I think in every I, I know people have heard this, but this is really true for us. I know that the struggle is real. I know it is, but you can find joy in it. You can, you just have to make the joy choice. Mm-hmm. You have to make that joy choice. And, and when you do, then you're no longer a victim to that circumstance. You're, you're walking a life out just full of joy and it doesn't mean, because see, joy doesn't, is not just this feeling. It's like this, it's a fruit of your life, right? It's a fruit of the spirit. It's not something worked up. It just is there. But in that, so you should have to look at it. Where, where is the joy in this? And you have to find it. You have to be intentional with that. And I think that if people do that in their struggle, they're not only going to walk out in victory, and hope, but people are going to see that and they're going to say, what, what is it? This is what separates us. Right. And, and I say it in a, in an encouraging way, like, what is it, Dr. Brian, 
that you have this life that is flourishing. It's thriving. I know it's not easy what you've gone through. I know it's painful what you and your wife have had to deal with over the years. You're out there still. You're showing the world. You're teaching the world. What is it about you? And it's because you've made the joy choice. And that's what I would encourage people to do because you can find it. Mm-hmm. And it, it rises up in you when you're intentional to look for it. Absolutely. Uh, you know, as I've said, it doesn't matter who you look at, whether it's the preacher, the the homeless man, or even the man in prison for some heinous crime. If you look hard enough, you'll find something good. Yeah. But but we've got to look for it, you know. Yeah, because I think about going back real quick to Paul and Silas, right? I mean, how do you sing after being beaten and chained to a wall? How do you do that? How is it that when the door opens to the prison, you're not just thinking about freedom. You're thinking about the heart of the jailer. Mm-hmm. How, how do you get there? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's there's something that set set them apart. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing that will set us apart. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and to go along with that story, not only were they there, they weren't in prison the way we think they were in prison. They were literally chained to the inside of a cave. Mm-hmm. And then the other remarkable thing about that was is that everything that they had gone through that day uh, it says that they sang hymns and praises, but it says at the midnight hour. Yeah. And after yeah. all they had been through that day, yeah, their focus was still was still on the joy. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes we just got to sit back and say, look, I've made it. I'm here. Mm-hmm. I've made it through today. Yes. And, and feed off of that for tomorrow. That's so true. It can be the simplest of things. It doesn't have to be overcomplicated. Absolutely. Well, uh, Robin, thank you again for for joining us on Doc Talks and here on Doc Talks DX. And I appreciate you sharing your story uh, with us again. Could you uh, once again tell us where we can find you? Sure. Yeah. First off, thank you. Thank you for having me. I feel so encouraged. Well, I, I appreciate you. Me. Appreciate you doing it. Yeah. Um, at the at the Fouts family. On TikTok, at the Fouts Family on Instagram, at, at the Fouts Family on Facebook. Easy peasy. All right. We'll, of course, have that in the description of this uh, episode. And I'm Doc Brian. You can find me at thedocbrian.com. And on that, there is a social media links bar, and you can find all of my social media there. Please feel free to follow us here on Patreon and to subscribe to our podcast on all streaming platforms, Doc Talks with Dr. Brian Shepard. Also, Doc Talks is a part of the Be Frank Network. You can find all of our podcasts there at BeFrankNetwork.com. And we look forward to having you to join us again next time. Again, thank you for listening and have a great day.